the sermon text today is Exodus 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get the straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your, will, your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them, as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people and you have not delivered your people at all. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray as we turn to this word. Father, we thank you for this section of your word. We ask now as we reflect on it that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, uh, minds to understand, and the hearts and the wills to obey, that we might see Jesus high and lifted up through this text. We pray in his name. What do you do when you're confronted with the reality of scarcity? What do you do when you're confronted with the reality of scarcity in your life? When there's no or little love in a relationship anymore, when there's no or little health in your body anymore, when there's no or little food in the pantry anymore, money in the account anymore, when things are scarce in your life, what do you do? Friends, this is a human problem. We all face scarcity in our relationships, in our emotions, our desires, in our vocations, in our experiences of life. Some of us face the scarcity of singleness. We really would like to be married. Some of us face the scarcity in our marriages. We'd really like our marriages to be different. More love, more affection, more joy, more happiness in them. Some of us face scarcity in our emotions. We'd really like more joy, more gratitude, uh, more happiness in life. Some of us face scarcity in our desires, even to care for ourselves, to love ourselves. We'd like to be better at self-care. But there's scarcity of time, scarcity of resources to do self-care well. And some of us face scarcity in our vocations, in our work life. Uh, There's scarcely any time to do what we need to do. Uh, There's hardly any resources to do what's entrusted to us. We have bosses that say, you need to keep your same productivity with less resources, just like in our text. So what do we do? when we're faced with the problem of scarcity. Frederick Buechner once said that calling, vocation, is where your deepest joy and the world's deepest need intersect. And and that's beautiful in so many ways. Buechner is right in so many ways. But sometimes you have to make bricks without straw. And I'm not sure how that fits into Beaker's paradigm. Your deepest joy and the world's deepest need uh, intersect. So what do you do with your scarcity? What do you do with scarcity? Well, interestingly enough, this week I had three pretty long and, and pretty formative conversations with folks about work. I didn't tell them that I was preaching on this passage. They didn't know I was preaching on this passage. Uh, but they talked to me about their work life. One person said, after 22 years of being at the same company, of being honored, revered, respected uh, in the company, uh, I was laid off. And now in my late 50s, I'm finding that there's scarcity of work for somebody like me. There's just not a lot of opportunity out there, and I'm scared, and I don't know what to do because I still have to work to provide for my family, and I'm just not sure what I'm going to do. Another person said, you know, I've been in a partnership for many, many years, and now that partnership has gone bad. Uh, we started off business working together well, and, and now we just don't get along. And we can't really untangle ourselves from this partnership. We can't really get out of it, 
but I don't know how to move forward. So there's a scarcity of desire in working with this person. Another friend said, you know, this week we had a beloved boss fired. And the team feels like he was fired unjustly. And the team is wrestling through how to response. And now in our work life, where there used to be so much trust, there's a scarcity of trust. Because we don't necessarily know who's next. So what do you do with scarcity? It's a reality that hits all of us in our work lives, in our relational lives, in every area of life. We all wish that we had a little bit more. Well, friends, life is learning how to deal with scarcity. Life is learning how to deal especially with pain, with suffering, with emptiness, with loneliness. Life is learning how to steward scarcity, how to be a good caretaker of the scarcity that God gives to you. You see, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, young or old, powerful or weak, healthy or sick. Scarcity is a reality that shapes all of us. And I think that there are really one of two responses to scarcity, and we see both of them in our text. The first response is, go find new straw. Go find new straw. When there's no love, no joy, no desire, no hope, no straw, well, on the one hand, just turn and look for new straw. Look for a new love. Look for a new job. Look for a new work. Look for new straw. Look to fill your emptiness. Look to fill your pain. Look to fill your sadness. Look to fill your disappointment in life with pleasure, with money, with sex, with adventures, with risks, with other pursuits. So one response is go find new straw. Find different straw. Find better straw. Friends, good luck in that. Many have tried and all have failed. Maybe many of you have tried and you failed as well. Israel tried and they failed. They couldn't find new straw. Having straw, friends, isn't your problem. Having a different kind of straw isn't your problem. Having no straw isn't your problem. Having somebody tell you, go get some straw, isn't your problem. You see, even if you had all the straw in the world, whether that straw be money, whether that straw be power, whether that straw be beauty, whether that straw be health, you're still going to be confronted with a deeper scarcity, a deeper reality, the scarcity of trust, the scarcity of hope, the scarcity of change, the scarcity of anything being different in your life. That was Israel's problem. Even if they had gathered all of the straw that they could get in Egypt, they'd still be slaves. They'd still be oppressed. There's a deeper reality that shapes all of us than having straw. Friends, we don't need straw. We need salvation. Israel didn't need straw. They needed salvation. Israel needed redemption. Israel needed God to act to liberate them and free them from this oppression and this bondage. They didn't need more straw. They needed something far greater. And the same is true for all of us. We don't necessarily need more straw, whether that straw be money or pleasure or vacation or better health or whatever it might be. What we need is salvation. What we need is redemption. What we need is new life. 
And so the problem of the first response, what do you do when you're confronted with scarcity? Well, just turn and look for new straw. The problem is that creation was never intended to be our savior, to be our redeemer, to be our deliverer. Creation can never set us free. Straw never has redeemed us, and straw never, ever will redeem us. So what do you do when you're confronted with scarcity? Well, friends, there's a second option, and we see this option beautifully portrayed, powerfully portrayed, shockingly portrayed in our text. And that answer is we turn, not to look for more straw, we turn and wrestle with God. We do business with God. We fight with God. We struggle with God. We spar with God. And we see this in shocking ways in our text. Moses in our text gives us a beautiful picture of what relationship with God looks like. And it's shocking. Moses gives us a picture of how we bring our scarcity to God. And friends, only God is big enough to receive your scarcity. Only God is big enough to receive the challenges, the frustrations, the disappointments that you have in life. Because only God is the source of all life, of all abundance, of all love. Only God is big enough to fill us and to free us and to fill the deep, deep voids that all of us have in life. So what does Moses do when he's confronted with the scarcity of his people? He turns to God and he wrestles with God. He's honest with God. And listen to the words that Moses uses to pray to God, to wrestle with God, to spar with God. These are some of the most shocking but most beautiful and most instructive words in Scripture as it relates to dealing with God and being in relationship with God. Look begin in at verse 22. O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Notice what Moses does. He uses the active voice rather than the passive voice in addressing God. He could have passively or used a passive voice and said, Oh God, why have you allowed evil to be done to your people? But he doesn't use a passive voice. He uses the active voice and says, Oh Lord, why have you done evil? And then he doesn't use the third person. Why have they done evil? He uses the second person. Why have you done evil? Can you imagine praying to God like that? Why have you done evil to me? Why have you done evil to me, God? These words are shocking. We, we, we don't get this in, you know, Christian discipleship. Here's how you pray to God. God, why have you done evil to me? That should be your opening prayer. We are not trained in this. But Moses doesn't hold back in wrestling with God. Moses asks God directly, why have you done this, God? And, and Moses shows us the beauty of life in God, the beauty of relationship with God. You see, friends, only God is big enough to handle our scarcity, our pain, our fears, our sadness, 
our anger, when we're dealing with scarcity, and we don't have the words to say. Only God is big enough to handle it. And only God is good enough and wise enough to handle our scarcity. God is so big that he can handle us asking him, why have you done evil to me? Why have you done evil to us? So friends, bring your challenges. Bring your pain. Bring your anger. Bring your emptiness to God. He can receive it because he's the source of all life. He's the source of all abundance. He's the source of all goodness. He can handle your accusations as you wrestle with him, as you confront your own scarcity, and as you bring that to God, he can handle it. So turn to him. And as you turn to him, and and maybe have some hard things to say to God, he will act. He will hear those prayers. He will answer those prayers. Your accusations, your fears, your worries will not go unanswered. Now, now maybe they won't be answered in exactly the way that you hope that they're going to be answered, but God will act. God will listen, and God will respond to your prayers. Moses says, God, you have not delivered your people at all. And God's response isn't to get defensive. God's response isn't to get angry. God's response isn't to blame shift and tell Moses a whole host of reasons of why the people are in this position. Rather, in chapter 6, and we'll get to it next week, but as precursor to that, God says, I will act. I will. I will. I will. God answers Moses in the first person. I will do something about this, Moses. I will act. I will redeem. I am who I say I am. I have made promises to my people, and I am faithful to those promises. I am big enough and good enough and wise enough to get my people out of this situation of not having straw, of being slaves, of being oppressed. I will deliver my people, Moses, and I will act. That's how God responds to Moses wrestling. And we see throughout the life of Moses that God does act. God acts in in beautiful ways to be faithful to his people, to deliver them from this oppression, to free them from this slavery. And we see throughout scripture that God continues to act when his people come to him and say, God, why are you doing this? God always raises up deliverers, always raises up redeemers, people like David and Daniel and Ezra. And ultimately and eventually and most completely and most perfectly and most assuredly, he raises up Jesus. When his people cry out to him, God, are you going to save? God, are you going to hear us? God, why haven't you done anything yet? God eventually and finally says, I will act in sending my own son to be your rescuer, to be your redeemer. Just watch. Just wait. Just see how I am going to act to love you and to deliver you and to free you from this oppression and bondage and to undo the work of evil in the world. Our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who acts. Our God is a God who sends redeemers like Moses, redeemers like Jesus. When his people cry out to him and say, oh God, why haven't you? 
God says, just wait. I will. Friends, God saves us, not straw. God is what we need, not straw. So as you wrestle with your own scarcity, however it pops up in your life, don't turn to creation and, and seek to fill yourself with more straw, whatever that may be. Rather, turn to the true and the living God and do business with him. Wrestle with him. Fight with him. Spar with him. Pray to him. He's a source of abundance. He alone can free you from your scarcity. And he has promised that he will. I will save my people. I will redeem my people. I will renew my world. Well, as we wrestle with God, we realize that God in part is gonna receive our prayers and actually use our prayers. And that part of the answer is he's gonna say, you've got a part to play in this. I'm gonna send you out into my world and you're gonna be part of the answer. You're gonna be part of the solution. So when Moses says, God, why have you done evil against your people? God says, I will act to redeem my people and I'm gonna use you, Moses, to play a part in that. And the same is true for us. God's going to send us out in his world as, as we face scarcity, not only in our own lives, but in our community, as we bring needs to our God. Part of the answer that God is going to provide for us is by sending us out into his good world to confront the problem of scarcity. So here are just some thoughts as we wrestle with scarcity in our own world and in our own lives. Number one, sometimes the simplest solutions are far more complex. In our text, it seems like the easiest thing to do for Pharaoh is give him a weekend off. You know, just give him a few days off. All, all they're asking for is a weekend to go party, to go celebrate, to go worship. Like, do it, okay? Just give them the weekend off and you won't have them uh, seeking uh, this greater, greater freedom. Let them party, let them return. But oftentimes, the simplest solutions just don't work. So as you confront scarcity in your own life and in the life of others, realize that it's far more complex, far more difficult, far more challenging than what's presented on the surface. But God is a God who deals with complexities, and he knows how to deal with the complexity of scarcity in so many situations. Number two. Sometimes blame is irrational and absurd. As you're trying to enter into people's stories or even understand your own story and deal with the problem of scarcity, uh, sometimes blame is irrational and absurd. In our text, how does, Moses, or how does Pharaoh respond to the request of the people? We need a little bit more straw. Pharaoh says, you're idle. You're idle. You're not working enough. You're not producing enough. You should be able to produce the same on less. You're not working hard. And sometimes as we encounter people, we have the answer as we seek to be honest and vulnerable and say, I'm facing scarcity in this problem in my life. People may say, well, you're not praying hard enough. You're not trusting God enough. You're not doing enough. And that's just absurd. Sometimes that may be true, but often it is absurd and irrational. So don't irrationally blame others for their scarcity. Scarcity is a much deeper problem, a much more complex problem. Number three, sometimes we need to pray like Moses. 
Sometimes when we're faced with the reality of scarcity in our own lives and in the lives of people around us, we need to pray like Moses. God, why have you? God, why have you kept me single? God, why have you kept me in a bad marriage? God, why have you laid me off? God, why have you kept me in a bad business partnership? God, why are you keeping me from being a teacher or a doctor? God, why have you done this sort of evil to me? God, I blame you for my scarcity. We need to be able to have conversations with God like that. Sometimes we need to pray like Moses. Not not all the time, but sometimes. Sometimes we need to be able to pray these types of prayers. Friends, only God is big enough, and only God is good enough, and only God is wise enough to handle our honesty and to respond to our scarcity. He's with us in that, and he loves us in that. And then fourth and finally, God will always act. So if you pray to God, especially if you pray to God like Moses and are deeply honest with God in how you uh, are experiencing life, be careful in that because God will always act. God will always answer. And it's not necessarily in our timing and in our way, but he will act because God always sends deliverers. God always sends Uh, rescuers. God always has agents that he's sending out into his world to push against the darkness, to push against our scarcity. Moses prayed to God, why haven't you done things yet, God? And God says, I will. And Moses, you're a part of that. And as we pray to God, God, why hasn't this happened? Why have you done this to us? Well, God is going to use us. God is going to send us out into his world to push back against scarcity, to push back against evil, to push back against oppression, to push back against the darkness. God always sends people. He sent Moses. He sent Jesus. He sent his spirit. And now he sends us into the world to be his agents, to answer these honest prayers that we have for him. This week, I was privileged and honored to, honored to participate in a street retreat through Mobile Loaves and Fishes, which is a, a, a partner ministry of our church. And what we did was we started on a Thursday afternoon, and we went and we had conversations with people on the street uh, all over downtown Austin, and we had some pretty uh, beautiful conversations. It was with high school students, and, and I'm very proud of them, how they interacted with their their neighbors and had these amazing conversations with people on the street. And they were confronted with the scarcity of people not having homes, people not having enough food, people not having enough money, uh, people not having enough uh, things in their life to to live a, a more normal life. Because scarcity, not abundance, defines the life of the homeless. And so we were left Thursday night, you know, kind of depressed, kind of dark, like we've been on the streets, but there doesn't seem to be that much hope. And then Friday morning, they sent us over to Community First, which is a a new neighborhood uh, for homeless people, where they're not only providing homes, but they're providing jobs and medical care and uh, partnerships and help. And it's a beautiful, beautiful neighborhood in our city. And so the next day, we met with the founder of Mobile Loaves and Fishes and of Community First, 
uh, Alan Shepard, who's been a very successful business leader in our city. And Alan began to talk to us about how God put this vision on his heart to creatively and winsomely and joyfully and sacrificially confront the scarcity of no homes, of no community, of no food for the homeless. And Community First is a beautiful picture of God answering Alan's prayers. And we said, how did this all start? And he said, I began to wrestle with God. I began to, to cuss at God. I began to swear in my prayers. I was so angry at God that he wasn't doing anything about this problem in our community. And I was just honest with God about my deep, deep frustration about this. And then God said, okay, let's do something about it. So I sold my business and I've devoted, you know, the last 30 years to giving myself to this community of God sending me out into this part of his world to bring his life and his healing and his restoration and his justice to the world. And so Alan's a beautiful picture of what God's people always do. We wrestle with God. We do business with God. We don't turn to straw to fill our lives. We turn to God to fill our lives. And then God sends us out into his world to be part of the answer, part of the solution of bringing his love and his mercy and his grace and his justice to his good world. Friends, let me pray for us and ask the grace to be sent out this week uh, to confront the scarcity in our own lives and in our world. Father, we do thank you that we can bring our scarcities to you, our pain, our brokenness, our darkness, our sadness, our sorrow, and we can bring them honestly, and that you are good enough and wise enough to receive that, and that you are good enough and wise enough to send us out into your world. Lord, you are the God of abundance. You are the God of life. So we ask that we would constantly turn toward you as we seek to wrestle with our own scarcity and that you would constantly send us out into the world as we seek to love you and to love others. For Christ's sake we pray.